looking forward to the message today. And I am really excited about this series that we're spending four weeks on a topic that um, I don't know if gets enough attention as Christ followers. And it's a topic on prayer. And the reason we're talking about this is, uh, well, two reasons. First, um, I believe that prayer is the most cost-friendly or the cheapest thing you can do with the most effective impact on your relationship with God. Let me say that again because I might have jumbled a lot of words around. Prayer is the cheapest thing you can do as a Christ follower to grow in your relationship with God. And what I mean by that is this, a lot of the other spiritual practices, whether it's fasting or whether it might be giving financially or serving with your time, cost us something, some type of sacrifice. Prayer is one of those things where we don't spend enough time in, and that is something it could cost you, but it's something that you can literally do anywhere and everywhere and can be a part of our lives. And I think that's actually why it becomes an afterthought for us. Because as Christ followers, we become so routined and um, into our practices and into our comfort. And it's so difficult for us to slow down, step back, and pray. But then when we see the life of Jesus and how much he prayed, it's actually scary. In fact, I was reading this last week, just reading through the Gospel of Luke, and Luke chapter 6 has this verse that I, I never really, you know, noticed until we started studying prayer here. But Jesus went out in Luke chapter 6, spent an entire night in prayer right before he called the 12 apostles. And it, it blew my mind. He literally went out, spent an entire night praying to God, and then the very next verse, Jesus goes out, gathers his disciples, and then calls his 12 apostles. And I think that's so cool. He recognized how important of an issue this was. Where he's like, hey, I don't want to, even though Jesus was the son of God, he said, I'm going to spend this entire evening praying with my father. And God placed on my heart who the 12 are going to be. It's fascinating. And also intimidating. Because when I think about spending an entire night of prayer, or even an hour in prayer now after having a newborn, it's exhausting. And it, it scares me to even think about sacrificing that much of my time. But Jesus recognized that if he was going to be at his greatest, he need to, needed to humble himself at his lowest and spend that quality time with the Father. And so we are in this four-week series called Prayer for Grown-Ups. And Honestly, if you are younger than what a grown-up might be, you hear that title and you're like, well, okay, count me out. But I want to define grown-ups as um, under the definition of spiritual maturity. Not necessarily based on age, but based on taking your spiritual maturity to the next level. So if you were a new Christ follower, you would be considered younger in your spiritual maturity. If you have been a Christ follower, if you're a seasoned follower, if you've been a follower for a while, then you might be more mature in your relationship with Jesus. And so this series is for anyone. And if you're looking to take your prayer life, your spiritual life to the next level with God, to the grown-up level, then we want to ask you to put some of the things that we're talking about into practice each and every day. And it's been a really cool series talking about prayer. Brad kicked it off last week. And it starts with in Luke um, chapter 11, where one of Jesus' disciples asks Jesus, teach us how to pray. We see how much you pray. Teach us 
how to pray. And so for week number two, before we get started on the message today, I want to set the scene. And I want to give you some heart for the verse that we're going to really be diving into today. And so in order for us to set the scene, we have to time travel hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years back prior to the verse today. And so if you want to pick up your Bibles or open up your apps or just follow along on the screen, we are going to be turning to Exodus chapter 16, second book in the Bible. And I just want to set the scene for the scene that we're setting for the scene we're going to be talking about today, okay? And so in this scene, what has just happened after Genesis, okay, so Joseph becomes a solid leader, a strong leader for Egypt. They end up inviting the Israelites to come and, and, ha- and, and live among them, live among the Egyptians. After Joseph and all of his family passes away, the Egyptian pharaoh recognizes that the Israelites are growing in so much number that they could become a threat. So he enslaves them. So then God keeps his promises and ends up... Um, Having this exodus, this situation, this, uh, this Passover is so powerful story. If you haven't read Exodus, go and read Exodus chapters 1 through 15 and just hear the story of how Jesus, how God saves the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. So after he saves them and they leave captivity, they then start wandering in the wilderness for years and years and years. And in the midst of their wandering, they're grumbling, saying, God... We're hungry, at least back in, back in our day, we used to have steak every night. We used to be hungry. We, we, we used to be fed when we were hungry. Now we're just wandering aimlessly. And so that was the scene to Exodus 16. And so this is what happens in verse 4 and 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And so God tells Moses, who is now the leader of the Israelites, and says, hey, tell your people that I will provide for them. I will rain down bread from heaven each and every day, and each day they are supposed to go out and collect enough for that day. But on the sixth day, only the sixth day, they need to collect twice as much because on the seventh day, there will be none. They need to keep the seventh holy. They need to rest. And so then we skip ahead to verse 17. Chapter 16, this is what Moses writes. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. 
Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Verse 25, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they had found none. I want to stop there. And so you've got this situation, like I said, where God blesses the Israelites, and he lets them know that each day, He is going to provide what they need for that day. And then on the sixth day, he is going to provide double so that they can have enough on the seventh day and that they can rest. And so now we're all hungry. There are some donuts in the back if you're here in person. That's our bread for today, okay? With that in mind, I want to refocus our vision back to the topic for today on prayer. And we're going to time travel forward now hundreds and hundreds of years to Matthew chapter 6. Like I said, in Luke chapter 11, one of the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so with that story in mind, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. And this is what Brad walked us through last week to kick off the series. Chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then we go into what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to stop there for a second. We've got this situation where Jesus is teaching, re, really just relearning for a lot of us how to pray because for a lot of us in our culture, prayer has become selfish. It has become independent. It has become a request of needs and wants and desires. And so Jesus says to start out your prayer time, if you're going to take next steps in spiritual maturity, first... Start by praising God for who God is, about being in awe of God. Hallowed be thy name. God, you're so good. You're so powerful. You're so strong. You are who you say you are. And then for the verse that we're going to focus on today, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus says this, And give us today our 401k, neon, orange Lamborghinis and the ability to lose 40 pounds on the Big Mac diet. Wow, that's so powerful. We're just going to stop the sermon right there. But isn't that how we pray often? Is we've got these situations that, first of all, we know God really isn't blessing. I saw a picture a couple of of weeks ago, and it was a, a plate of Thanksgiving dinner 
with pies and fried food and turkey and mashed potatoes. And it said, Lord, bless this to my body. <laughs> like, but we do that. We go to our girlfriend's house knowing the parents aren't home. God, give me strength to resist sex. We log on at midnight onto the computer knowing that we struggle with the addiction of pornography. Lord, give me the strength to resist. We set ourselves up for failure all the time. We put ourselves in situations or our prayer life then becomes a list of needs, of wants. God, give me that nice $100,000 job with no taxes. They just kind of forget about me. They lose my social security number. And then a neon orange Lamborghini. I mean, let's be honest. Who doesn't want a neon orange Lamborghini? Am I the only one? But then also with how we eat and with how we treat, we're like, hey, why am I not losing weight? And then we look at like the different things that we've put in our body or the way that we've treated our body, ourself and our exercise and our diet and our health. And then we struggle with mental health and with fear and with depression, with anxiety. And we're like, God, why am I so worried? But then when you really break down what your day looked like, we ask God to bless a day that we didn't put the effort in to bless ourselves. And that's so often what our prayer life is like. And so let's read what Matthew chapter 6, 11 actually says. It says this, Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus, talking to Jewish disciples, would have immediately made that connection back to Exodus chapter 16, a Torah, the first five books of the Bible that they would have had somewhat memorized, some of them mostly memorized, would have immediately made that phrase, daily bread, to how God provided them with manna and daily bread each and every single day. And they had all that they needed. And so what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, and he actually says this 20 verses later in Matthew uh, 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Instead, when you pray, close the door, go into an intimate space, be with God, and ask God to make known to you the provisions that he has provided you for this day. And if you're like me and you're a worrier, or you like to plan for the future, or you like to stay organized. It's not wrong to be a planner and organized, but where do you dwell? Do you dwell in the future, or are you dwelling in the moment? Do you dwell in the future, or do you dwell in the moment? How does your prayer life reflect? Are you constantly praying for things of the future, or are you praying for the provisions of now? And as I read that phrase, give us today our daily bread, daily bread stuck out to me, not just because it connected to Exodus chapter 16, but I wanted to understand the Greek. And so this is going to be so powerful. Daily bread, okay? The Greek word is artas, okay? And daily bread literally means daily bread. <laughs> but here's where it gets fascinating. The root word that it comes from is iro. And iro means to elevate, to build up to carry, to bear. And so God is not only nourishing our bodies with our daily bread and what we need physically, but he is giving us what we need to elevate, to build up, to be strengthened, to bear each and every day. And that is why prayer is so important. 
so that we can step back from reality, hone our focus into the moment, say, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. You tell me in 20 verses, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will have enough troubles of its own. That terrifies me because I'm worried about tomorrow. But Jesus says, when you pray, in the moment, hone back in. And that's why it's so crucial that we pray. And it's so important for your spiritual maturity to slow down and to get back into the moment. And say, God, today, give me my daily bread. We'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. But in this moment, with what I am dealing with, be with me. This isn't on the screen, but Exodus 14, 14, back two chapters from where we just were, as God is releasing the Egyptians from slavery. They're standing at the river. Okay, they're standing at this huge body of water needing to pass. And behind them, Pharaoh and the Egyptian chariots are rushing after them to slaughter them all. And the verse that God gives Moses and the Israelites is this. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Like, okay, I got you, God, but like, there's thousands of chariots right there. But that's our life. That's our prayer life so often. As God says, hey, the Lord will fight for you. Do your part and be rooted in stillness. A cheesy way of thinking of it is this. If it gives you fear, don't keep it near. If it gives you fear, don't keep it near. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And here's the truth, because a lot of us are thinking, okay, I'm dealing with cancer. I'm dealing with COVID. I'm dealing with exhaustion physically. I've got crazy kids. I am a crazy kid. I've got mental health battles. I'm struggling with thoughts of suicide. The finances aren't working out. I don't know how we're going to make it. You can come up with all of these different things. And, but here's the proof of how I know God is still working. Each and every one of you have survived 100% of your worst days. And that's a fact. There's not a single day, whether you're tuning in later on online, on the podcast, or you're watching it in person, not a single one of you who's not survived each and every day. Now, it might not have gone the way that you would have liked it to go, there might have been a lot more suffering involved than you would have expected and hoped for. But each one of us has survived because God provides what we need in this moment, each and every day. Don't worry about tomorrow. God says, I got tomorrow. You focus on today. It doesn't mean you can't prepare and plan and stay organized, okay? There's some goodness in that. It just means don't dwell there. Don't fear, though, there. Don't live there. Focus on what God has in store for us today. Give us today our daily bread. And so some of you might be thinking, you're like, okay, well, back in Exodus 16, God then provided twice as much on the sixth day. So, like, are there days and, like, stuff when we can try to do more? Like, yeah, he provided that so that you can rest on the seventh day. Because rest and prayer and doing and working and living, they are connected for God. And so if you're struggling to survive today, what's your rest look like? What's your prayer look like? 
A lot of us like to combat our busyness with more busyness. And it makes sense because if you've got more to do, you need to do more. God says, trust me today, take some time to slow down, rest. And that might be the hiccup for a lot of us of why we can't spend time in prayer. Like, and we're not talking about, like, again, Jesus, he prayed all night and we hear that and we're like, we're intimidated. I think it's crazy for us to start out and say, hey, do that. (laughs) For some of you, all night might be one minute, five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, four hours. It's again, where are you at in the spiritual maturity journey? What is calling you for? What are you being called to do? I want to close with a story and just one um, challenge for us and then kind of a, a final idea. Um, that was three things, and I only wrote one of them down. So, like, God, give me three things. So, no. Uh, okay, so we got, we'll share the idea first, okay? If you are fear-focused or future-focused, you will miss out on the present mission, okay? If you are always praying for and worried about and seeking and living in the future and not asking God to give you today what you daily need, you will miss out on the present mission, And that happens to me so many times because I'm so concerned about tomorrow. And where's my energy going to come for or come from tomorrow that I miss out on the present mission? And so here's the challenge, and then I'll close with the story, and then we'll pray. The challenge is shift your focus from fear-focused and future-focused to present-focused. Not just your focus, but shift your prayer life. Make that transition to say, God, give me today. I have escaped the busyness. I am slowing down my life. I'm going to spend intimate time talking with you, God. I've praised you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You are so powerful. Now today, I'm exhausted. So give me today what I did. I don't even know how I'm going to live tomorrow, but we'll worry about that when it comes. Today, is what matters. So here's a story I want to close with. This, this verse has been revolutionary for me in the season of life that I am in. Just had a newborn in the last couple of months. And for those who like really know me, know that this season for me has been difficult, has been trying, has been exhausting. And not just like new parent exhausting, and weariness that like every parent I think goes through, but like those who knew and know me knew that I was not looking forward to this stage. Like this was going to be the hardest part for me. If I can get through the first year, I think that's when I can start thriving. And so this season that I have been in has been extremely challenging. I would equate it for me emotionally and physically to that of when I lost my dad eight years ago. That's how, that's the battle I'm in. I love my son so much, and he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. But it has been very difficult for me to figure out how to balance my mental health, my emotional health, my spiritual health, and my physical health while trying to still be a good husband. That has been exhausting. And so a couple of, months, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with my accountability partner, and he shared with me this concept of balance. It's all about balance. Like, yes, that's the word I need to figure out. I just don't know how. And I was going to bed, and I was, as an, as an internal processor, it's hard for my mind to slow down, and that's 
part of where my battle comes in because I process, that's how I decompress. But at the same time, when it's 1130 at night and you know your son's going to be up in a couple hours, you'd rather not decompress then. You'd rather just sleep a press, okay? And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and all of a sudden I just felt this peace and said, stop worrying about tomorrow. I helped you survive today. I gave you the strength you needed today. We'll worry about where your energy levels come from tomorrow. Tomorrow, It might come in the form of Diet Pepsi and Dunkin' Donuts, okay? But today, you survived because of what God provided. And it just hit me. That's what my prayer needs to become. I'm not going to worry about how I'm going to survive next week, the week after. I'm going to focus on today. I'm going to pray for today. I'm going to lean in today. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for who you are. Man, I needed this message. There's people here, but God, this is, this is, this is a message for me. Because this is what, this is the season I'm in. And God, I just thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity to speak on a season that I'm in. And I thank you so much for who you are, God. You're so powerful. You're so strong. You're beautiful. You are God. And you're a God who provides. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would shift our focus from fear of the future to the conquering of the present that you have promised. In your name I pray. Amen.